Hello and welcome to The Main Straight, the F1 in Schools official podcast. My name is Tom Deacon and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the first ever episode. I know we've done it. It's finally here and I cannot wait to get started. Now, if you happen to miss my incredible teaser trailer, some people are calling it, then I will uh, remind you what you can expect in this brilliant podcast. First of all, F1 in Schools is the greatest STEM competition in the world. That is what I am calling it. And you will soon find out because we will be bringing you the best guests to tell you everything you need to know about the competition and also give you some gems, especially if you are competing that you can use in your competition. Uh, We'll also be bringing you some news latest news and we'll also be bringing you some insights as we get into it now with any podcast as i'm sure you know you probably listen to many it really does help uh, if you like subscribe and make sure you click on the link which allows you to download every time we release a podcast that way you will never miss an episode and of course as this is part of the f1 in schools we are on everything i mean everything when it comes to social media Are you on Twitter? Yes, we're on that. Are you on Instagram? We're on that as well. TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. F1 in schools HQ will give you all of the latest on every single one of those platforms. Now, let's get to it. Um, I told you we'll be having a guest and we're going to do that right now. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome the main attraction of the first ever podcast of the main straight, the official F1 in Schools podcast, and that is to welcome the one and only founder and chairman of F1 in Schools. It is Andrew Denford. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tom. Lovely to be here on our very first podcast. It's uh, been a long time overdue and uh, many more to follow, I hope. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, we've started in style and I just want everybody listening to understand where you are. I believe you're at the Denford factory uh, at the moment in Brickhouse. Um, I can see around me an array of things in your office. I want the people to understand who Andrew is. If, if they were to come into your office, what is what is the best thing in your office that you would be glad to show people? Probably the door on the way out. No, um, <laughs> we, we've... Uh... We've got all the uh, F Formula One caps that have been uh, signed by various drivers that are just hung up above behind me. Uh, the Autosport Awards for uh, Innovation, uh, which was given to us probably about seven years ago now down at the Autosport International Awards. Um, apart from that, a lot of paper, um, unfortunately, paper-based, but uh, uh, a lot of action gets done in here. This is where, if you like, F1 in school started, uh, well, 22 years ago now. Yeah, 22 years ago. And it's just because not everyone gets to see what I'm seeing right now. And that's your office where it it, it did begin F1 in schools. What were the reasons behind it? What was the inspiration for setting up F1 in schools, Andrew? Well, the government uh, decided uh, that it'd be a great idea to give 3D software to every secondary school in the UK, which um, they approached us actually to do some research. And was it a good idea? How would it affect uh, the learning of design and technology? So we did a thorough research on it, a report back to government explaining that we thought it was a great idea. The kids would love it, but we need to train the teachers. So they embarked then on a training program to train as many teachers as possible to get up to speed on this software that would then allow them to design anything in 3D. And wonderful, they were creating amazing artifacts on screen, but they couldn't manufacture them. So... I came up with a plan of how we could link schools to apprentice training centers and colleges so that anything they did in 3D could be then manufactured. Uh, We'd already got a partnership with local schools here and we kicked it off and it went down like a 
like a storm, really. Everybody loved it. And we could make components, send them back to schools. And then, of course, I thought, well, why don't we do something a bit more exciting and give them a Formula One car to design? Now, back in the day, it was pretty much very straightforward. 3D design, manufacture, race. So that was it. Make, test, race. And uh, wow, we did a pilot event. I had one mother crying because her son had won. And I thought, we've got something here. This is uh, quite an incredible reaction. And that's how it started back in 2000. So you've got that 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 sort of uh, euphoria of, of winning a competition. People love to compete. They like to challenge themselves. And that's what you had uh, with that first event. And then Coventry happened. I know the World Finals 2004. I mean, this is technically a bit of a history uh, <laughs> CV to look back uh, rather than a, this is your life, Andrew. I won't be asking you, you know, your favorite color, uh, favorite F1 teams or anything like that. But but obviously back to 2004, did you ever expect it to to get as big as it did? But no way, really. And, and you couldn't even forecast how you, you could see this growing. So, I mean, back to uh, when we did our first national in 2001 uh, and then our second event down at the Bet Show, we got the guy from Australia came along with a car that they'd made. And all of a sudden, through our network of international contacts, we opened it up to the world um, and they got schools involved and the uptake was phenomenal. They were all getting pretty excited about it. And then we said, OK, well, now's the time to put on an international event. And our first partner for F1 in schools was Jaguar, Jag Racing, back in the day when they were in Formula One. And we held it at Castle Bromwich uh, down in Birmingham in uh, 2004. Uh, and the Americans won that one, actually, um, which was great to see the first international uh, final being won by the Americans that led to our second event in 2006, which was, uh, again, but connected with Jaguar, but held at Autosport International and uh, a great event. And the Australians won their very first world finals at that event. Yeah, the American team, Turbo Bloomsburg High School. That was the school uh, that had uh, that team. Uh, I've done my research, Andrew. It's very (laughs) important. I just want everybody to know with this podcast, Tom Deacon is doing his research. But I mean, there's been so many world finals. I mean, surely there's been challenges. Uh, People don't understand whenever I've held an event uh, you've asked me to come along and, and and do so i've just always seen you constantly busy but but running around here there everywhere you've always got people with you that you're showing to t- show them literally how exciting f1 in schools and the competition is but you've always got time for people that's something i've noticed you you have no time but you have all the time but surely there's been challenges along the way to, to get this to this stage Oh, yeah, loads of different challenges. I mean, right from the very outset, when we saw the potential and the opportunity in front of us was the, the sheer cost of running regional finals and national finals. And we needed sponsorship for that. So we entered into a not-for-profit situation back in 2002, of course, working with Formula One on that uh, process. Uh, but getting sponsorship was difficult, um, but we managed it through our con- contacts at BAE Systems and at Jaguar Cars and Jag Racing. But then getting the brand and the logo from Bernie Eccleston at Formula One in 2005 uh, completely changed my life and the future of F1 in schools because then we could link with all the Formula One teams, work with Formula One and get the message out around the globe that this STEM activity uh, was going to change kids' lives, give them opportunities that they would never have dreamt of uh, prior to entering this this competition. Mm. And and change lives it does. I mean, you talked about a mum 
uh, breaking down with tears. Uh, only last year, uh, well, this this year, sorry, uh, with Silverstone 2022, uh, and you had the team from Australia Hydrant winning, and how much that meant to them. You know, traveling such a distance to compete and to go home with that coveted trophy. Um, but Andrew, I mean, what what is it that you love about it? You've obviously organised this event. You put it together. You're constantly busy. You're co- you're in the office right now. But but what is it that you love about that competition when it starts to to the end point? I, th- I think it's seeing the 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 eyes of the students and them getting involved in for the very first time and not really understanding that they could within twelve months be at a world final venue if they work hard, competing with sixty seventy teams from around the world. Uh, and then starting their career that could lead them into Formula One. And just seeing some of the results of F1 in schools and students that have moved on now and the grown women and men in, in Formula One, in motorsport, automotive engineering, working at BA Systems and Airbus and big companies, um, to see that end result. And, and to actually, when you know I'm, I'm walking down the, the pit lane and you know, pit lane walk we do every year with the students and having an engineer wander out of the garage and saying, Hi, Mr. Denford, how are you? Thank you for getting the, getting me on the straight and narrow and getting me a job in, in Formula One. And, you know, you think you never recognise them because they've got beard and bald head or they're, <laughs> they're working in, uh, you know, whichever area of Formula One. We've got some really talented uh, women involved in Formula One in the technical side and they've, uh, they've been a, a great product of F1 in schools. And the fact that we've got, uh, with F1 in schools, such a great uh, interest from girls in STEM 40% of our entries at world finals are girls. We're working with the FIA, which is fabulous too, because they uh, announced and pronounced our world, uh, sorry, national, uh, international teams for the Scrutineering Award and the Women in Motorsport Award. So, you know, just to get them behind as well is another uh, benefit, if you like, of, of being involved with the world of Formula One. I mean, uh, the next event, Nationals, where I'll be uh, seeing you in person, I'm looking forward to up in Birmingham. Um, We've just had the 2022 uh, World Final, which, as I mentioned, Hydrant won that. uh, A great event at Silverstone. Looking forward, there's more events coming up. But just to take a, a second, let's look at the fact that in 2019, you had Abu Dhabi. That was won by Evolve. 2018, Singapore. 2017, Kuala Lumpur. Austin, Texas in 2016. It's gone literally all around the world. Any favourite highlights from you, Andrew? I think just uh, our first uh, international world finals, which was held in Melbourne in 2007, um, was for us the first step into the unknown and and working in uh, with Formula One circuits, with Formula One, you know, getting access for the students, uh, getting the VIPs from Formula One to turn up at the event. The, The awards was phenomenal. Uh, and then year on year, we've grown that. So moving into uh, Kuala Lumpur in 2008 and getting the uh, Minister of Education to stand on stage in front of 500 people and, and proclaim this is the most exciting competition that he's ever seen and it's benefiting students that he would never have dreamt to the level that they've, they've moved on to. Uh, and just each year, we've, we've broken new ground uh, and, and improved the events. Um, we, we Obviously, the quality of the materials that we that the schools produce has gone to a, a high every a different high every year, and the fact that we've now got so many disciplines with with F one in schools. So you know, I said before it was design make race, uh, design make test and race, but now, well, you know, we, we we're supported and sponsored by the Project Management Institute in North America. So it's 
is forming a team between three and six. Um, obviously, team manager, all different uh, disciplines within the team. But then you've got to do project management, as everybody should do in life, in terms of producing what they want as an outcome at the end of the, the project. Then, of course, you've got your sponsorship and marketing plan. And then you've got to think about, well, how are you going to create the car and what's going to be needed? So you've got you know, sketching, you've got CAD design, uh, you've got computational fluid dynamics, the testing element of it. Uh, and, and you've got all of that before you actually even get into something physical and practical in terms of manufacturing the car. So, you know, people say, oh, it must be expensive. Well, it, it's not. It's, it's eight, eight pounds and ten dollars, whatever it costs for the, the model block. And you've got academies around the F1 in schools, academies around the world that will manufacture the cars for, for schools without equipment. Then all they need to do is do the portfolios for enterprise, for engineering. They've all got to deliver a verbal presentation, which is you know, phenomenal when you see the kids actually shaking outside the room before they go in and uh, deliver a well-rehearsed presentation. Some of them obviously aren't. Um, and, and then, of course, the racing of the car on the track, which you know could take a whole year to design, develop, and produce a car, and it's down the track in just over a second. And, and that's when they know the fruits of their labour have either produced a great result or they've got to go back to the drawing board and and seeing them to progress from regionals to the national to the worlds and then ultimately in formula one is like wow did we do that <laughs> <laughs> so so i i take from that then Andrew, there's not one particular world final <laughs> that stands out for you that, that obviously that that one in australia that first one uh but you've been to so many different countries in terms of those countries really taking on f1 in schools uh which which one stands out for you which which country yeah, out of the countries that you've been to for the world final, which 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 one stands out for a personal reason for you? I think I think Malaysia's always uh, been an interesting op option for F1 in schools. It's a you know non English speaking country, so to speak, but obviously everybody does speak English. Uh, and to get through you know all the the issues and the hurdles you've got to get over to put on a full event, but get to get the government support to get the minister of education stood on stage is yeah. is a, a real you know, from our point of view, a feather in our cap. And that's now been taken on board by many other countries. Um, so, you know, going to Austin, uh, driving up uh, Congress uh, Hill to the, the Capitol building in a row of yellow school buses, things like that, take absolutely ages to, to organise. You know, we've got a fantastic team here. Uh, you know, Dave Howes is our Director of Events and Communications, and he's just on his way back now from uh, finalising our event for 2023, which will be announced very shortly. And, and the team below as we you know, pull these events together. So, you know, you've got to have a good in-country coordinator support you on the ground, and then hopefully the rest of it will just drop into place. So we've got a, a template, but there's so many changes and politics that are going on in the world these days that you've, uh, you've got to get over and get through those hurdles and then deliver something that the kids will remember for, for the rest of their lives. Yeah, 2023, that world final. Looking forward to finding out where that is. Uh, just imagine, take yourself to Silverstone 2022. Uh, what is the, I kind of want to know, Andrew, that little bit extra from you that the people listen to, because they see you here, there and everywhere at the Worlds. Um, you're never standing still for very long. Uh, normally when I'm recording live uh, to the world, you will inevitably walk across camera. That is that is my favourite highlight of every uh, single <laughs> final. Uh, people love that, I'm sure, back at home watching. Um, but 
for you, is there a nervous moment where you've got that pressure when you're doing a reaction test? Is that a highlight for you? Uh, just those moments where people get to see you. Is it the pit display? But what, what, what's that one gem that you just you look forward to for every world? Well, I, th I think it's obviously getting all the displays in place and then doing do the opening ceremony and getting the, the event underway. And then after that, it's making sure that everything is organised. And we're on time. You've got to be on the timeline. And, and yeah, you do get car breakages. Those take time to recover. We always look at ways of improving the efficiency of the events. So getting through each day one by one and then, of course, getting to the, the awards and, and making sure that everything has been as concise and 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 uh, control as possible so that all the, the right teams get the right you know results and, and the right award for their efforts so um and then concluding it with the the three two one so i'm conscious con consciously always looking to make sure that we've not dropped a stitch something's not been forgotten so maybe, you know i mean just the, the detail that we have to get right and and now it just seems to happen like clockwork that you can never relax you know there's always some curveball that can hit you um and 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 then when I'm on stage in the three, two, one, I usually do know the three, two, one before I get onto stage. And the disappointment for me is looking at fourth and fifth and sixth place and knowing that they came so close. But it's never over. You can go back to school. You can look at how you can re-engineer uh, yourself and improve different elements of the challenge and all the different grades at marking criteria shared with all the teams. So they know they've got an opportunity to come back and have another go. Yeah. Uh, what I take from that, Andrew, and I'm sure people listening or watching uh, will take from that. Uh, Andrew never is able to enjoy any moment because you are thinking it's one big. It's almost like you're competing yourself every year at the Worlds. Andrew <laughs> Denford, will anything go wrong? You will make sure nothing goes wrong with the preparation. It's almost like you are competing every year as well as the students <laughs> in some respects. To a degree, I think we all are, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, the, the team we've got here are, are all looking at trying to improve year on year and add, add different things. You know, we've done different styles of awards, you know, from gala dinners to theatre style to crikey. I mean, the most standout, I suppose, awards for us was being on in, in uh, 2019 on, on turn one, the, the evening before the Grand Prix weekend began on the Wednesday uh, from seven o'clock till, till half past nine with, you know, there's a street buffet on the track on turn one. There was VIPs coming from all Formula One garages from the Formula One itself. And they all attended the, uh, the awards celebration and uh, fireworks from the Shams Tower for, for the, you know, once the winning team was, was crowned. That was probably the most stressful event because we held it in two locations, do forum and we moved everything over for the awards. And it, it, it happened. It all worked out just about like clockwork. The uh, coaches were a little bit delayed getting there, but we, <laughs> we, we did it. Uh, and yeah, when that, you know, when we walk off stage and everybody's starting to go back to the, the hotel, you think, wow, you know, we've done it. And, uh, got a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on everybody and a lot of VIPs there, you know, from, Chase Carey, crowning the world champions to all the Formula One uh, representatives giving their trophies out. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been for us the biggest and most challenging award, but most, most satisfying. And then, of course, we entered the world of COVID. And so next year we'll be back live and kicking. Oh, I love it. Andrew, I, it is great to check because the, the years I've known you, I also, I guess, for the first time ever, I'm realising that it, it, it isn't a lot of people might see you at the event or regionals nationals and think i wonder what andrew does day to day but you sound like you you that 
pressures on you for these events but then it's a kind of a privilege because then as you say you get to see the success of everyone that competes but i feel that moment as well when when we do the awards and and uh, most recent year with crofty uh you just know that as soon as those names are announced there's a lot of people that are going to be disappointed and yes they can go back to the drawing board but it's so hard to be in our position because you're like Ah, oh, you feel for them. You love the champ, the champions and the teams that win and get on a podium. But I, I always feel that. So to know that you do as well. Um, there are, as you mentioned, uh, these incredible pit displays and you go along them and you're just inundated with, uh, I call them freebies, but they're lovely gifts. Um, I have had uh, chili sweets. Uh, I won't name any of the teams. I've been given pate uh, before forced uh, pate uh, from a French team again naming no names there was coffee one year uh, I've even I'm actually currently drinking from a team's mug right now uh, <laughs> which uh, is brilliant um, what has been one of the the, the, the strangest best gifts uh, that you've received because that's what teams do they want to share their culture as well when they, they come to a competition does, yeah. it, does any gift stand out for you yeah, immediately you kind of asked me that question. I was thinking I'm not able to answer this one, but then I go straight away. I thought, yeah, I got a, a full lederhose and from the Austrian team. <laughs> I mean, and believe it or not, I've worn it twice. Uh, so <laughs> we've all been to the uh, the beer colours. So and, and mine is the authentic, you know, full leather version. So I mean, not cheap, and I was so grateful for them to give it me. I think they probably thought that I wouldn't appreciate it, but. Uh, it's here if anybody wants to borrow it too you know it's, it's uh, that was the, the most standout gift I think I've had we've got many many more and we've got various images all all over the factory of, of what the you know from the kids when they've actually come to these events they, they are they make they make us you know without a doubt you know I, I you know we can stand on stage we can put on the best event you could ever imagine the students put so many man years into this they're working through the summer holidays evenings you know, and and just when you even get to events, you're walking down the corridor and you can hear them in the in the rooms doing the uh, the verbal presentation rehearsals. Um, and you know that they're putting every amount of effort in they can possibly do to get on that podium. And there will be so many that have achieved a lot from it, not yet get on the podium, but will use it within their CV for jobs in the future. And we always say, if you put you know F1 in schools on your CV, you have a much better chance of getting a job. I mean, Rob Smedley, who, when he left Ferrari, went to Williams and we set up the Williams F1 in Schools Academy, said that he won't employ students without F1 in Schools on the CV. It means so much to the F1 teams. They've all done it and they understand about this sport because that's what it is. It's just Formula One shrunk down into the classroom. Yeah, that is uh, brilliant to see. I did say with this podcast, we were going to be offering gems and there's a gem right there. You know, as long as you put that on your CV, it will definitely help you in the future. If there was um, a couple of more questions uh, for you, Andrew, um, the, the first one, is there any particular thing that a team needs to do to give them that bit of success when it comes to a regionals, a nationals or a world final that you have noticed from those, those teams uh, that end up on the podium? I think it's attention to detail. So you can tell they all know what they've all got to do. They've all got their own yeah, job title on their shirts. They know who the team manager is. They've they've had the project plan in place and they've delivered everything in, in line with that. And I, I think it's just making sure that the communication is the most important part of this. If they, if they all know what they're all doing and they're all on top of their own job, they will do a lot better than the teams that are a little bit all over the place and haphazard. And I think it's getting that organisational structure in place and 
again, coming back to project management, we introduced that only uh, three years ago. And it's now the cornerstone of F1 in schools. Do your project management like we do here with our business. You've got to project manage everything through to the event. Um, so that that's a, the biggest thing I think a, a team of students has got to take on board. Um, and then, you know, looking at some of the displays and the graphics and the team team logos, team identity. If, if you look at the teams themselves and you see a team walk around the corner and the minute you see them, you know what the name of that team is. They've done the job. You know, we all know when in the Formula One paddock and dressed in red, you know, it's Ferrari, uh, you know, and uh, and that applies to just about, you know, I could give that advice to all the teams. It's really important to look like you all belong together. And, uh, you know, dare I say, we've had a lot of teams at the World Finals. Um, if you've got between three and six in a team, three is difficult. You've got more jobs to do. If you've got six in a team, girls and boys working together is always a, a good bit of advice to take on board and girls seem to make good project managers. I'm not saying the boys can't do that. Uh, and all girls teams, all boys teams, good to see them competing against each other. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's just working together, communicating well. That's the, that's the key to F1 in schools. All right, Andrew, uh, the final question. Uh, we've we've covered everything really. So everyone gets a, an insight into, into the founder and chairman of F1 in schools. But the final question is what are your plans for the future with F1 in schools? I know 2023, it's just around the corner. We've got worlds coming up. Don't give anything away uh, just yet, Andrew, because I'm sure, you know, we're going to have other podcasts where we talk about it in depth. But what can we look forward to? Well, I mean, just today I've been working with um, a, a, an organization in Las Vegas that's running the Grand Prix over there. They want to give back to the schools and get their schools involved. Uh, been working with the... Uh, I think four new countries we've launched this, this month, um, which again want to get involved. But looking at the world finals and finding out from the in-country coordinators how many teams they want to send, we're into huge numbers now. So we've got to find venues which will accommodate the world finals. Uh, and to be honest, we don't want to put, uh, or, or not say no to teams that want to attend. So we're going to have to, to look to maybe doing some regional events, perhaps in Asia, Middle East and the Americas so that they can have their own regional area finals so that we can manage our world finals with an appropriate number is probably a maximum of 65 to 70 teams. And that is a real push. So, you know, 60 is comfortable. Anything beyond that becomes difficult unless we add more days. So for us, we're going to have to think about what is the model for the world finals. We, we don't want hundreds of teams. We just need the best from the world around us and of course if we do middle east uh far east and, and the americas events there then that will hopefully sort out the best from all the teams in those areas and allow them to compete at the world finals that's quite a few years off i think uh first mission now is to get our next world finals well, back to a live event which we we know it will be unless we have another bout of covid um and then plan for 24 and 25 and 26 with an opportunity then to to open it up to, I mean, right now we're in 58 countries. So that's gone from 52 to 58 this year. How many more countries will be added? Who knows next year? Um, Formula One is growing like crazy um, on the back of the success of Formula One and, and the drive to survive. And, and the number of students doing F1 in schools, we're growing like crazy. So we just have to keep our eye on things and make sure we don't it doesn't get out of control. But at the same time, give as many students the opportunity to go to events, travel to events. And I think these regional finals 
might end up being the, the answer to us going forward. Oh, well, exciting times ahead for F1 in schools. Andrew Denford, uh, founder and chairman of F1 in schools. An absolute pleasure uh, to have you on the first episode of The Main Straight. I think that went pretty well, Andrew. Looking forward to hearing it live. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, thanks, Tom. Great to speak to you. Well, I think you'll agree. What a great way to start the first episode of The Main Straight with the one and only Mr. Andrew Denford. And I'm going to say this now. For future episodes, I don't think it will be the last time we have Andrew on. He has a habit of getting involved uh, wherever he can. And if you are going to the UK Nationals in Birmingham in January of 2023, make sure you look out for him and maybe nab him for two minutes. Um, I mean, as we heard from him, he will be very busy making sure it's going swimmingly, but he's always got time for all of you competitors. Now, uh, at the beginning of this podcast, I did say that we would have a news section. And guess what? It is time now for the latest news of F1 in schools, but I couldn't possibly do it all by myself. No, I've hired a PDC. What does a PDC mean? It means producer, director, and co-host. And I couldn't think of anyone better than the one and only Max Fernley. Max, welcome to the podcast. Do you feel that was a big enough uh, introduction? I think that's the perfect way to start off the podcast for the first episode. I think you've done a brilliant job. Ah, oh, thanks, Max. Well, listen, I know from F1 in schools, you're the marketing events and competition. Uh, that's all it says, actually. If you're uh, it ends in assistant, but... Uh, does it? No, it does end in assistant, yeah. Well, I, it's not my you know role. What? You know, it's assistant the role. Well, do you know what's happened? I cut off the assistant bit, and that yeah. is bad planning from me. But, oh, Max, you're here. Stuff. PDC, producer, director, co-host. That's what we're going with. I could have put it in a different order, but I didn't because it sounds like a delivery company. And I know that you will deliver, Max. But before we get into that, um, what is your involvement in F1 in schools? So I'm currently here at F1 in schools on a placement, a marketing placement specifically from Northumbria University up in Newcastle in the United Kingdom. Uh, I am here assisting with social media, uh, helping with the competitions. So I'll be at nationals. I was at world finals. You may have seen me walking around at the at Silverstone uh, this year. Uh, well, regionals, anything event competition or marketing, I'm involved in it in some way. Yeah. And if to any, an extent, and if anyone at F1 in schools needs an assistant, you also have that on your title, which we've established. I do. <laughs> um, now, uh, I just wanted to ask because world finals, was that your first world finals? It was. It was my uh, first World Finals. It was a very surreal experience. Uh, we actually got taken down to Silverstone the week before as well to the Grand Prix to assist with um, the previous uh, World Finals winners, Britannia Red. We uh, took them to Silverstone and a few other teams. Uh, we got to walk around the paddock. It was a pretty surreal experience. Uh, met Gordon Ramsay. Uh, no. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. You can't come on this podcast of the main straight and start humble bragging of which celebrity chefs you've met because he's just not allowed. However, no. did you have any involvement in F1 in schools? Because I know that with that being a placement that you're on, I'm just thinking for any future competitors, if they wanted to get involved in F1 in, in schools, how that came about for you. So I actually haven't had any prior experience in F1 in schools. In fact, I'd never I'd heard of it, but I'd never sought to do my full research into until it came to doing sort of a placement hunt where I was looking at how I could get into F1 in different ways and how I can sort of graduate into the industry. Uh, funnily enough, my dad had contacts and uh, he got in touch with Andrew and Andrew then got into, I got in touch with Andrew through my, my dad and 
got into for a few interviews and ended up uh, securing myself a year-long uh, placement. Uh, yeah. Oh, but it's great. And now we are doing the Main Straight podcast uh, together, which is brilliant. And it just goes to show, you know, you need to make those networks and, and contacts uh, to, to help you in the future. I know that's a little of nugget course. that you would pass on. So let's get to it. There's some news from around the world. What is going on? Uh, have you got any actual info on the four new countries that are getting involved? Because I remember Andrew mentioned that just a second ago. I do. I only have the country's names, but I believe you have a few facts on some of them countries. <laughs> so we'll go into them soon. But uh, we have Costa Rica. Uh, we also have Macau. Uh, South Africa and Poland are all now set up. So you'll be seeing a lot of those countries in uh, future world finals, hopefully. That is awesome. The Ticos uh, from Costa Rica. Uh, did you know, and you did tee me up for this fact, one of the most happiest countries in the world to have some competitors from Costa Rica will just add an extra element and vibe uh, to the next competition. So I look forward to that. Uh, what else is going on, Max? Uh, we also have uh, the F1 in Scores UK National Final coming up soon. Uh, and I will see you there. It's been held in January at Autosport International down in Birmingham. Uh, that'll be a fun one. I'll be there walking around, uh, probably running the social media accounts. Or just talking to you guys uh, that are listening and uh, probably distracting Tom while he's supposed to be hosting. So uh, <laughs> you'll definitely be seeing me there. It will be a repeat of the world um, from Silverstone. Uh, right there, Max. So that's <laughs> happening in January. Uh, and anyone competing, we are going to be doing a few things for this podcast there but we'll tell people uh, in our next episode about that but it's just going to be a great buzz and we're going to try and capture that in the podcast aren't we of course uh, we're going to give lots of uh, opportunities for you guys that are listening uh, to so have your say and uh, speak to us about it about the podcast that is and also if you we might even do some in little interviews with you guys uh, so there's lot there's lots to come there's okay. lots to come Look forward to that then. All right. Uh, national finals have been going on because there's a Worlds next year. So any updates on that? Yep. So we've just had the uh, Greece national finals, uh, which was uh, won by Anatolian races, followed by uh, Mac one and Enigma. Oh, brilliant. Congratulations to everyone there. And they hopefully will be joining us for the Worlds next year. And such a good uh, teams come from Greece. There's always normally a, a combination of Greece and Cyprus meet together uh, for one of those hybrid teams. But um, yeah, always strong competitors. So great to have them on board for next year. No, definitely. Uh, we've also used had the Indian uh, national finals, which was won by Team Blaze and followed by Team URJA and Infinity Racing. Uh, so uh, it's all going on around the world at the minute. Yeah, uh, fantastic work. Did, was there a social media clip that was going round? It went a bit viral. Was Andrew Denford involved in that? I should have mentioned it. It was. So this actually is uh, It's the United Arab Emirates. I can never say that country right. I've smashed it there, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've had their national finals just in September. Uh, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, so they actually had a... You'll never guess. Guess how many lanes? I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you. You, you try and guess. It's not two. It's not yeah. three. Okay. Uh, is it five? It's four. It's four lanes. Okay. Four lane track. So they actually, which I've I've never seen before. Uh, so I think it, it's probably a first. It might not be. I'll probably need to fact check myself there. But uh, yeah. So they've had a four lane track, which is insanely cool, but not as cool as having an F1 car hanging above it which they had so 
my mind has exploded. You're telling think... me health and safety sounds like a nightmare, but a car suspended across four tracks, that is Instagram worthy right there. It sounds like such a headache, but at the same time, it <laughs> sounds so cool. That is very cool indeed. So the viral video then of, of a team going through, was was that from that event? Yeah, so uh, the winners of the Nationals in, uh, actually came from uh, the Indian High School in Dubai. Uh, team Velocita, if I said the name correctly, they actually got a chance to go to the Grand Prix in Abu Dhabi to see the, the final Grand Prix this year. Uh, and they got announced live on Sky Sports F1 TV. So really cool. Uh, they did not see it coming. Their reactions prized this. In fact, I'll probably put it at the end of this podcast for you guys to to listen to because it's it, it, it's priceless. I think the uh, the host is definitely coming for your job. Yeah, I I believe it's Kezia. She was so professional in her way of taking the microphone from a Sky Sports presenter, uh, Craig Slater, took the mic, and that was the, that was it. When you get an opportunity, you seize it. And that's exactly what Kezia did. She introduced the whole team. Andrew mentioned it earlier about that uniformity of like, you all have, you just look like a team. They're all together. They did exactly that. Uh, and Andrew, I don't think he got much of a word in Edgeways, really. There was, there was no opportunity for him, but they were announced on Sky Sports. Great to see. And they'll be at the world. So congratulations to them. Congratulations. Uh, and then finally, Australia are currently holding their state finals so it's cool to see uh all the results that are coming out there if you keep checking rea's uh instagram you'll see all the results that are coming out from their state finals there's a lot of champions that head into to nationals it'd be cool to see uh seen at worlds yeah will it, will it be another australian team winning like hydrogen uh did this year um well that is brilliant oh also uh, max when you said state finals is that different to regionals or the or the nationals what how does that work well, they like to call their uh, their regional states, so it's the it's the same thing, just different wording. Uh, oh. I think got to be different <laughs> somehow, you know. This this is good for me to know when I interview them, and I go, "So, did you win regionals?" And they'll be like, <laughs> "No." I think you'll find it's called states. Uh, that is great to hear. Um, so uh, we have come to the end of the first podcast, uh, Max. Uh, what can we look forward to for episode two? Episode two is still crossing the 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 eyes and the t's, but. Yeah, but episode three—that's okay. where it's all going to be happening because it's going to be at nationals in the UK. So any of you UK teams that are listening to us right now, you'll have a chance to witness live the podcast being recorded, uh, and also you might even get involved. You might there might be an interview opportunity. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how busy I get, uh, but uh, I'm sure yeah. I'll, I'll give some time for you guys to to get involved. Yeah, um, and for anybody who can see. Uh, this because we're not only releasing it as a podcast it's also going to be online as well to watch um people will be commenting on your lovely gilet max uh an f1 in school gilet that is going to be ideal for that time of the year uh in january and right now it's getting it is, cold that looks it, great it's, it's very cold in this office uh, i need to I think i need to get the heating up a bit but uh but it's oh, nice and warm mate. in this this is fantastic. Well, listen, Max, and for everybody listening right now, thank you very much uh, for being part of this first episode of The Main Straight. But uh, we love to hear from you. Uh, what can we add in for episode two? As Max says, dotting the I's, crossing the T's of our next guest and who is going to be on. Maybe you could have a suggestion. Maybe you would like to hear or get some more information in a particular area, do let us know. And of course, uh, F1 in Schools HQ is all of the social media, which as we found out, 
is what Max is all over at the moment. So it's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and of course, TikTok. Max, I think I've said everything for the first episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I might you said everything couple... but one thing. One thing. What the most... They need to rate this podcast. It needs to be a five-star rating at least. <laughs> that is brilliant. Well, you've done exactly that for me. Producer, director, co-host, what would I do without you? Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on The Main Straight.